So praise God. Last week, um, last Sunday, I began a two-part series called Trusting When I Cannot See. And um, I shared last week that this is what the ancients, if you read Hebrews chapter 11, this is what the ancients were commended for of their faith in God, that they, that they would trust God even when they couldn't see what it was that he was doing. And, you know, I thought about, you know, in the Old Testament, and this, this is one, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, is the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. And if y'all know the story of Joseph, if, if you remember his brothers, they, they were jealous of him, that Jacob had shown favor over Joseph, and they, they had become jealous of him, and they, they were going to kill him, but they didn't kill him. They decided to, to sell him off. Into, um, into slavery and ended up, Joseph ended up in Egypt. And if you read the story, um, I don't think that Joseph, after all these things happened in his life, would have ever dreamed that he would have ended up in the position that he was, second in charge only to Pharaoh in all of the land of Egypt. And I don't think he ever thought that he would be in that place. Yet when you read the accounts of what happened in Joseph's life, he never wavered in his faith with God. In spite of all of the things that happened to him, the injustice, his condition he was in, his false accusation, his imprisonment, Joseph still remained faithful to God, even though he couldn't see what it was that God was doing. That's faith. That, that's real faith, that, that he was just like, okay, I'm in prison, I'm in Egypt, I'm, it's, it's, I've been falsely accused, my brothers turned against me. He never turned his back on God, even though he couldn't see what it was that God was doing. And we know that God obviously blessed him and, and, and not only saved the, the world that, that lived around that time, but also saved Jacob and his family and the nation of Israel was, was preserved because of what he had done. So the Bible tells us that God is working all things together for our good, for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And so that, that, that scripture requires faith because all things is not just the good things. It's not just like when the job's going real well and the finances are great and the marriage is good and the kids are behaving and all the things, that, you know, the, nothing's broken in the house and the cars are running great. You know, the Bible says in all things, God is working together for our good, for those who love him. So, so that requires faith that I'm still going to trust God even when things are happening I don't agree with, I don't like, don't understand, doesn't make sense. God's still in charge, and God's working all of those things out um, for our life. So I said this last week, and I'll say it again. God is still working miracles today. I believe that, that God, God is still working miracles. And, you know, um, I was reading in, the, in the, one of the Gospels, and I remember the account. Um, Jesus had went to a town. It might have been his hometown of Nazareth. I forget exactly, but if you remember, when Jesus went there, it says he could only do a few miracles, and it was because of what was, what did he say? It was because of their lack of faith, the lack of unbelief. And I started thinking about this. There's something about the, 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 Jesus, what Jesus can do, but it's something about you and I expecting him to do that. And it, the Bible says, if you read the other accounts in the Gospels, when Jesus went from town to town, the Bible says the people, the people in the towns, they came running to Christ. In other words, they came, they brought the sick, they brought the lame, they brought the blind, they brought the lepers. They came, well, what were they doing? They were believing and expecting that Jesus was going to do these things. So I believe there's something to that, that we, we don't do the miracles, but I believe we play a part and we expect God to do those things. Does that make sense? 
And, and, I, and, I, and I feel like sometimes in my life, you know, we can live our life as a Christian and we can just go through the motions, but are we, are we really anticipating God to do something for us? And I believe that when we do that, there's something with God, con God connects with that. There's a connection that takes place. And, and we need to get there. We need, we need to be at a place where God, I'm expecting you to do this. I'm expecting you to do that supernatural healing. I'm expecting you to change my finances. I, I'm expecting you to heal my marriage. You know, whatever those things are that we're dealing with, I believe there's something to that as opposed to just sitting back saying, this is just the way it is. No, there was, there was a connection. When Jesus came, the people came to him, and there, there, there was something that happened there. And, 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 but I, I believe with all my heart that God is still in the miracle working business today. He's still doing miracles. And um, he's just looking for a people like us. That is just God. We expect those things, God. We want those things to happen in our lives, in our homes, in our families, and in our church. We, we should come every Sunday. God, move on us. God, break us. Pour, you know, break out in this place, God. Have your way among us here. I believe there's something about a spirit of expectation. So I'm just going to recap last week's message since this is a two-part series or two-part message that I'm doing here. And last week I shared in, the, in Acts chapter 9 uh, one of the most remarkable stories in the Bible. It's the conversion of Saul in the book of Acts. And this, to me, it, I mean, I, I think a lot of times Christians forget when they're reading the New Testament that the person that wrote the majority of the books that you were reading was Saul. Like, it's almost like you just, like, we, we refer to Paul. He's the Apostle Paul. He, he, you know, he's this, great re, he's this great writer, this mighty man of God, you know, mighty man of faith. And, it, and it's almost like you become so overwhelmed with Paul's writings and the things that he did uh, to advance the church that you forget who he was. And it's, it, it is absolutely astounding. It's remarkable what God did here. And it's just, to me, it's sometimes one of those things like you almost have to go back in your life as a Christian and read it again just to kind of get a little refresher and a reminder of who he was and what God did for him. And um, I, I love it. I mean, I just, I can't get enough of it. You know, you read the story, you just get so excited. But this is, this is the account of his, of his conversion in Acts chapter 9. It says, this is a passage we looked at last week, so I'm just going to just do a recap real fast. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard, the sound, but God, they heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So last week when we looked at this passage here, 
The first thing we looked at is that your need is never out of God's reach. Your need is never out of God's reach. Saul, Saul was not just a sinner. He was a destroyer of God's church. He was a destroyer of the work of God, of the, of the whole purpose of why Jesus Christ came into the earth to promote the salvation of Jesus Christ, that, that salvation is found in no one else except the name of Jesus. Saul was against that. He was against the church, against the name of Jesus, all, all, of, those, all of those things. And his situation seemed impossible. Like there's no way that God could ever change him. It's like God just kill him or remove him. But the, the thought of him ever being changed was, 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 was seemed impossible. And, and your situation we shared last week, it might seem impossible, but it's not. God, God, God can change your situation. And then we look at this passage here and we see that God can change your situation suddenly. Suddenly. And, and, and look at this. Saul, was, he was marching to Damascus. He, he was like he was on a mission doing doing his thing, like destroying the church. That was his mission. And in the midst of his plan and his mission, God stepped in suddenly. It wasn't like a big 12-step program and rehabilitation and, and someone had to speak to him and teach him. And I'm talking all, all of a sudden, suddenly, the Bible says, God, God stepped in, the light shone all around him, and, and he was changed. And not just changed in that instant, he was changed forever. His life was changed. And the, the evidence of that is the New Testament, the writings that Paul wrote and the things that he did to advance the kingdom of God and God's church. So your situation can change suddenly. You know, when we, we received that, I think that we had an awesome altar call here last week. And I believe everybody really received that, that God can do this, that I've been waiting, I've been pleading, I've been praying, all these things. And God can just step in in the midst and just... Sometimes when it gets darker, the darker it gets, I believe that's when we're on the right and the edge of God getting ready to step in and do something miraculous in our lives. And then um, we discovered that what God did for Saul, he will do for you. God's not a respecter of persons. God is still wanting to do the same thing for us today, that same power. So what do we need to do? We don't, we don't need to be afraid we need to stand firm and see the deliverance that God wants to give us. We have to remain faithful. We just have to be, we just, we're steadfast. God, we're, we're, we're pressing in, we're, we're, we're plowing through. So, so today I want to look at the rest of the passage um, that we looked at last week. And what's amazing about this story is, and if you were a believer um, back then, you would have just been glad that God saved Saul, that he just changed him. But God didn't just rescue Saul. God used him. In other words, God took his situation and God transformed him. See, that's what God does. God doesn't just fix us up or patch us up. God transforms. See, what does the Bible say? If any man be in Christ, he is what? He is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So God doesn't just like take the broken pieces and put a good part here and a bad part there. No, God transforms us. He completely changes us. Aren't you thankful? That, 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 that's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's a supernatural work of God. And, and see, so God doesn't just want to rescue your situation. He wants to turn it around. God wants to turn it around. And that's what I titled the message for today in the second part is God will turn it around. You know, we're, we're hoping that God just kind of, like they were, the Christians back then were just probably hoping God would just kind of like 
push Saul out the way. Like, just get, just, can you just get him out of our way? He's trying to kill us. Little did they ever know God was actually going to take him and use him to do what they were doing. That's a miracle. That, 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 that's amazing what God did. So let's look at the, the other part of this passage here, verses 10 to 19. It says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And, you know, I love this story here. You know, God calls Ananias, and Ananias answers God as if God didn't know who Saul was. And we would have done the same thing if we knew that there was someone that wanted to come into this church this morning and, and arrest us because we are preaching and teaching the name of Jesus and God told us to go to, to, go to that person that was doing that, we would, we would be like, are you sure? You got this right. And that, that's what Ananias did. And it, to me, that's just, it's just kind of funny that the way Ananias was, he, he, he conversed with God as if God didn't, as if God didn't already know. But let, let's look at this here. The first thing I want us to see here is while I'm looking at Saul, God is preparing for Paul. And, um, you know, notice the pivot here in this story. Everything to this point, God had done. He, God shown the great light. God spoke. God blinded Saul. God instructed Saul. But now in this passage here that we're reading this morning, in a complete turnaround, he pivots to Ananias. God, God looks to Ananias now and you know, this kind of touches on a little bit of what I was saying last week. One of the things that, that we had heard when we were on that uh, conference a couple of weeks ago, um, one of the things that one of the speakers had said was, you can't do this on your own. In other words, you need help. And we look at this situation with, with, with Paul, with, with Saul's situation. God, Yeah, God did the miracle, but God used men and women to join in and help with what, what it was that God was doing in his life. And it's just a testament, again, to the church that we need one another, that you can't do this by yourself. You can, this Christian life was not meant to be a lone ranger type life. We need one another. We, we, you, you cannot do this on your own. You, you can't do this. And, and Saul learned this immediately. But, but, but all of a sudden, God goes to Ananias and, and looks to him. And I believe it shows that we play a part in God's hand working miracles in the world and in our, in our lives. Um, you know, the Bible says that God makes everything grow.
by the Holy Spirit, but, but we too play a part in that. Um, the Bible says the one who plants and the one who waters, we all have a purpose in that. We, we, we all have a purpose in what it is that God is doing. We are co-workers in God's service. So that, to me, should make us feel significant. It should make us feel vital. We're important. We play a part in what it is that God wants to do to transform someone else's life. That's a big deal to me. That, that, that should make Christianity and church and all the things we do pretty special, that we can actually play a part with God to affect change in someone else's life. That's a, that, that, that's a miracle. And um, so, but Ananias was completely unaware of what God had done and was going to do in Saul's life. He, he didn't know. And um, so we need to understand that, that God is working in other people's lives. You know, we may not realize it, but we may unknowingly be touching the next Paul. You know, when we speak to someone's life or, or we witness to someone or we're discipling someone or whatever those things are, we may not realize it, but that could be another Paul. You know, we don't know. Is that an echo coming from a, from the mic? It's not from a mic. All right. Huh? What is it? Oh, it's a drum beat. The kids. Okay, the kids can do drums. That's fine. I just want to make sure it's not me echoing up here. I don't know what the deal was. <laughs> so, so, but here we have Ananias, and you think about it, Ananias is minding his own business. He's serving Christ as a disciple, and he's probably asking God, why are you picking on me? You know, why are, we, why, why are you picking on me? And um, then the other thing that stands out for me in this passage of Scripture, and this is, this is something that I've always, uh, that I've always looked at uh, when, when I've seen this, is what was the name of the street that the Lord told Ananias to go to. <laughs> the straight street. <laughs> so look, Saul's on the road to Damascus. That, that's not a straight road. That's a crooked road. That, that's a crooked road. But, but what happened? God, God touched Saul. God changed him. What, he, he's, on, he's on the straight. I mean, that could just be a coincidence, but I don't know. God's got a sense of humor. He's on straight street now. He's got it going pretty good now. He's He's, he's going straight with Jesus. And I, I just love that. But it says, you know, tells him, let's go to Straight Street. You know, we got, he's straightened out now. He's, every, everything's, everything's all right. You know, and God put him on the right way. He's on the narrow road. He's on the, he's on the, way, he's on the way to Christ. But notice the work that God had already started in Saul. And I want you all to see this because this is important for us to realize that we're, we're praying for our Saul's or our situations. We might think nothing's happening. God's not doing anything. But I believe God is already preparing them. God is already moving in their lives, and God is already speaking to them. But look, look what God had already done in, in, in Saul's life. The Bible says that Saul was praying. He was already praying before, before Ananias came there. In the Bible, the Lord told Ananias, you will find a man, and he will be what? He will be praying. So, so Saul was already, he, he was already praying um, in the situation that he found himself in. And I got to believe that he was confessing his sin. He was repenting. You know, the Holy Spirit had come. You know, all these things that God was beginning to really deal to deal with his life. And then God was already giving him visions. The, the Lord told Ananias that he has seen in a vision a man come and place his hands on, on him and that, that he may regain his sight. And so God was already, already doing these things on him. So... Um, See, Ananias sought to tell God how bad Saul was, but God, but God, was, God was letting Ananias know that God was going to use him in spite of his condition, in spite of his sin, 
in spite of who he was, God was still going to turn his life around. So when we look at the stars in our life, we need to quit speaking death and negativity over them. We need to start speaking life over them and, and prophesy over them that, that, God, they, they are, that God, they're going to be the mighty man. They're going to be a mighty woman of God. That, that, that I don't see it now, God. I don't understand how it's going to happen. But God, I prophesy over, over my situation and over my soul that God, they will be a, they will be a, a warrior for Jesus. That, that they are going to be a truth bearer for the name of Jesus Christ. Begin to speak life over your situation. Because how many times when we're confronted with something, what do we do? We speak negativity. They never will amount to anything. That they'll never change. That they've gone too far. That'll never happen. Whereas we just, in faith, see, it's in faith. God, I speak life. God, you're the miracle worker. God, you, 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 you can change them, God. God, in, suddenly, God, you can change them. And God, you're not just going to change them where they're just going to stop being a bad person. God, they're going to be a speaker of the gospel. Speak those words. Speak those words over that. You might have a son or a daughter. Speak the words over them that, that God, I, I prophesy to, to that family member, I prophesy to that son and to that daughter that they will be a speaker for Jesus. God loves faith. God loves when we speak those words. Proverbs chapter 18, it says, From the fruit of their mouth a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We possess the power of life and death in our words. In our tongues, we can speak life or we can speak death. I don't care how desperate your situation is, speak life over your situation. Speak, speak life over that. Speak resurrection over that. And begin to speak that. And, and all of us can do a better job with that. We, we're, we're so quick to go to the negative side rather than the, the faith side, that what God can do. Begin to speak life over, over your soul and over, over your situation. And um, begin to prophesy a heart of flesh for a heart of stone, a, a new creation for the old life, uh, and begin to speak those things. And then look at Acts chapter 9, verse 15. It says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. The next thing we see here is God changes us to chosen instruments. God changes us to chosen instruments. God God told Ananias not to worry that this man was my chosen instrument. And, you know, we think about that. You know, Ananias would have never visioned Saul being an instrument being used for God. All he could see was a persecutor, was a destroyer, was someone that hated, that hated the church and hated, and hated God. But, you know, God, in spite of our imperfections, in spite of our failures, in spite of our past, our sin, our faults, guess what? God still uses us. You know, so I can't ever look at another life or a situation and say that, that, that God could never use that person or God could never change that person, no matter who they are. You know, Saul was the last person that I believe the Christian church believed that God was ever going to use for his purpose and for his kingdom. Yet he became one of the most remarkable people in all of the New Testament. But that's not who he was. Who we are now was not who we were when Christ saved us. Thank you, Jesus. God, we're, we're being transformed. We're, we're being renewed. God, God is changing us. God is, God, God, God is transforming us into the likeness of Christ. We're, 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 we're being changed 
and, and so we can't look at someone else and say, God, God will never, God, God can take any situation, no matter how dark it looks, and God can turn that life around for his benefit and for his glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. See, I believe God chooses to use the impossible situations that in turn he would get more of the glory. Because if it was a situation where it looked like you should have been able to do it, God's probably not going to get a lot of recognition for that. But if God takes a life or changes a person that no one ever thought was possible, who's going to get the glory for that? God's going to get the recognition for that. And, and so we, we just need to rejoice and be excited that God, God uses us. This is, we're frail human flesh, that God comes in, fills us with his Holy Spirit, transforms us and uses us for his purpose and for his kingdom. And look, look what, um, what, what God said, that this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the peoples of Israel. That, that, and, and if you read the New Testament, Saul did. He stood before kings. He stood before mighty, mighty men of prominence and men of importance. And what did he do? He shared the gospel. He shared, he shared the good news of Jesus Christ. He, he shared what God had done for him. The, many, many occasions, uh, he was just sharing what God had done, and they would laugh at him, and they would make fun of him. And all Paul was saying was, this is what happened to me. This is what God did. God, God changed me. And um, so look, look at verses 17 to 19 here. It says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And here we see that Saul the destroyer became Paul the defender. See, God just changed, exchanged someone that was destroying the church to someone that was defending the church. And Ananias agreed to go. And what God had said he was going to do to Saul, God did those things. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. He regained his sight. The Bible says he was baptized. All these things happened, and God changed his life Im immediately. And now, now Acts and most of the New Testament record the transformation of Saul to, to now the one we call the Apostle Paul. That, that's the change that God did in his life. And no one, not Ananias, you or me, could have ever envisioned that change would take place in Saul's life. That They could never have believed that, that, that God could do that. But that's what God wants to do in your life. That God wants to take your impossible situation. Your, maybe you have a Saul, a, a daughter, a son, someone in your life. And you can't, you just can't see it. You don't, it, it, it looks impossible. God, I, it's impossible. And God is saying, look what I can do. God, God wants to give you a vision of what God can do, that God can change, God can turn their life around. Not because of anything we do. I can't change them. What changed, what really changed Saul? The Holy Spirit. 
the revelation of who Jesus Christ was, and he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and God changed his life forever. God wants to do the same thing, the same thing in our, in our lives. And um, you look at the New Testament, and you, you see the scriptures, and, and as you begin to, to read that, you begin to see that the church, they were a little reluctant to really believe that Saul really was changed. There was just as Ananias didn't want to go and lay his hands on, on, on Saul because he knew who this man was, the church was a little reluctant to say, has this man really changed? In other words, we, we've heard the reports, has he really changed? Well, look at this passage here in Galatians. It says, I assure you before God, this is Paul speaking, that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and, and Cecilia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. Don't you love that scripture? The, 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 they only heard the report that the man who was trying to destroy the church, that was trying to put Christians in prison, that was trying to destroy the work of Jesus Christ, they only heard the report that he's now defending the faith. Isn't that beautiful that God took the man that was destroying God's church to defending the church? And that's what God wants to do for us. God just wants us to believe that, to stand firm and know that God wants to change your souls. All of us have a soul in our life. We all have a situation that looks bleak, that looks dark. And all of us, we, we could say that, right? Ray Blackland could probably be the one to say that, that no one would ever have believed that Ray would ever become a Christian, much less a defender of the faith. I've heard Ray's testimony. I know his friends were probably, they, they, they were beside themselves. Yet here, them, here he is today. Why? God changed him by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's changed in Jesus' name. That's a work of God. So we can't just say, well, you know, God did those things and he used to do those things. No, God is doing those things now. What, God, what are you doing now? See, God's a God of today. We can't get stuck in the past of what God did do and what God, what God, what are you doing now? God's doing those things now. He wants us to connect with those things that that God will turn it around. That I just, I just love, I just love the way that that is written. There, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Get that in your spirit. That's a, that's a Holy Ghost. That's a complete. That's a. You talk about a turn. That's a transformation. That's a turnaround. That's complete. And that's what God. That's what God wants to do for all, for all of us. Here today. So, so what is God asking us to do? Well, whatever it is you're facing in your life, God wants you to stand firm. Just stand, don't waver. See, a lot of times when we're facing trials or we're, we're facing a rough patch or a, a tough time with a situation, what is the first thing we want to do? We want to kind of abandon everything, just run away, just go hide somewhere, just walk away from everything. But what does God say? Stand firm. I don't see it. I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you how your situation is going to change. I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know when God's going to do it. But I can tell you to stand firm. Just don't, don't waver. Don't doubt. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't doubt. Don't second guess. Just, just stand firm and resolute on who you are in Jesus Christ. That, that's the first thing we, we need to do. 
And then the second thing is if we need to start speaking life. We need to begin to prophesy over our situation. Just begin to prophesy. It, 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 it's going to sound crazy because you don't see it. The, the situation you're speaking to is what you're prophesying is not where that situation is or who that person is. But God, I'm prophesying that's who they can become in Christ. That's who they can become in Jesus Christ. And then we have to trust the Lord even when we cannot see him working. See, that's the hard part. That, that's the tough part. Is I, God, I'm trusting you. And I, you know, I shared last week you know, with Lee and Joshua and my, my daughter Hannah, you know, especially like with Joshua, when we were going through all that situation with the drugs and he was getting arrested and, and all, those, all those different things, just, every time it was just worse and worse. It kept getting worse. It kept getting worse. But Lori and I stood. That's all we could do was stand. Uh, God, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't like it. It was humiliating. I was serving Pastor Carl as an associate pastor. You know, what does the church think? What do people think? This is my son, all that kind of stuff. God just said just to stand. Sometimes you just got to stand and know that, that and, and God was working. God was working. And God is working in your life, in, in your situation, and God can turn it around. I, do you believe that? I, I believe that. See, let, let's... let's Let's, let's do like the people in the, in the New Testament did in the Gospels. Let's run to Jesus saying, God, I know you can do this. Don't be like that town that had little belief. The Bible says Jesus said I can do. You know, what a contrast. When you read the Gospel, it's such a contrast that Jesus, the Son of God, said I can do, li I can do little here because there was such a lack of faith. So then that tells me that we, there's a connection there's something that happens when we connect with that. And I believe when we rise up and we expect God, God, to change my situation, that God, God says, man, I see that faith. And God steps in. And there's, a, there's like a, there's a supernatural divine connection that happens in that. There's, I believe that with all my heart. And I, and I, and I know God, God loves you. God, God loves you. He's not against you. God, God is with you. God loves your family. He loves your sons. He loves your daughters. And, 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 and he just wants you just to stand and begin to speak. Speak those things. And God, we believe you, God. We believe you. We, we, we believe you, Jesus. Just say that. Say, Jesus, we believe you. I believe you're going to change my daughter, God. I, I know you're going to change her. God, I'm going to start speaking life because I have the power within my, within my tongue. The Bible says you have life and death. You, 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 you possess that. We can speak those things. Amen. 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 Stand to your feet, please.